a team of cooler people than the Bengals? No. No. It's crazy. Because is there a less cool city than Cincinnati? Except for Eli Apple. <laughs> Chris Hansen here, and I'm going to need you all to take a seat right over there and check out Birds like versus Boys. I think you're completely right here, and I hate it. Yep. Idiots. Stop doing dumb things. I got two phones. Upside alert. Upside alert. I might go insane. I think you're already there. There's no hope. Hope Dude, is gone. No. If this was an AFC North podcast, we'd be done in 15 minutes. Bob Hope. I'm going to drink bleach. That is the team you promised me you were going to be this year. This is the Consciously Hopeful podcast. I'll be watching. We are here, ladies and gentlemen. It's episode 101 of Birds vs. Boys. We made it through divisional weekend without either the Cowboys or the Eagles participating, but that was probably a benefit to us because we got to just enjoy one of, if not the best weekend of the NFL all time, kind of stress-free, if you want to say that a little bit, right, Aiden? I mean, I... I was in awe all weekend. But hello, before we get into that, how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm re- yes, I am recovering nicely from the like you said, it was a stress free weekend. It was like having a bye week, but at the end of the season, and then you also have seventy two bye weeks after this. Yeah. Yes, we do. And I, I I'm starting to like. I, I usually start it when the playoffs start. I'm like, oh my god, there's only twelve games left. Oh my God, there's only seven games left. Now I'm like, oh my God, there's only three games left. I'm starting to get in. I don't count the Pro Bowl. That would be four. Um, I'm starting to already get depressed. It's like when you're on vacation and you're on vacation for like 10 days and at day like five, you start counting down. You're like, oh my God, I only have four days and three nights left. Yeah. Oh and, and you, you start thinking about going home before and you're not enjoying the vacation anymore. You're just thinking about the depression of going home and then going back to work. And you're you're like, wait, how did I do six days of vacation already? I feel like yeah, I exactly. just got here. Yeah, that's the NFL season. How did we do 18 weeks and two weeks of playoffs already? Yeah, how did we get here to the near the end so quickly? Now we're just going to think about the end for three weeks yep. instead of but enjoying it. At least for us, and I know for you people out there, we're draft monsters. We love the draft. We love the draft process. Ooh. So as soon as the season is over... I'm actually already starting to get into draft mode. The draft show started this week on Tuesday. First episode dropped. So I'm I already getting – I love it, right? It's the best. Starting yeah. to already get names. So, but let's let's talk a little bit. Did, what was your favorite game of the weekend? If you can pick one. Well, it was 49ers Packers just because I thought that was funny. Just the entire sequence. I'm also just like so attached to the 49ers now that I'm just rooting for them. My team, like I said, they're my team. Who's not my team. That's going to be my team. So them winning was my favorite. Um, I was with this. I was with a guy on Saturday, our friend's new boyfriend, and he went to South Carolina and he was like, yeah, used to party with Debo. Here's his phone number. And I was like, can uh, we FaceTime him after the game? If they right, please. He's like, uh, no. And I was like, ah, well, it's worth a shot. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, like, totally in on them. Uh, what was yours? There's uh, probably an obvious answer, and I'm just dumb. Yeah, well, like, it's – I mean, the the Bills-Chiefs, I think, was the greatest yeah. game ever. That yeah. Just seeing that win probability, just and then all of a sudden do this, is just unbelievable. I was uh, – and it was I, funny, too, because <laughs> I, was, I was downstairs in our family room. My wife was upstairs, and the TV was, like, slightly ahead. And I heard her be like, oh, my God. And I was like, what's going to happen? <laughs> And then it was just, <laughs> yeah, that is how it goes. I was at a restaurant and the cooking staff, this was during the Rams bucks game and the cooking staff was one play ahead. So you could just hear them remark. I'm like either the Rams scored or the bucks scored. Now where are my wings? <laughs> yeah. And also no wonder the food's taking so long. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, that game was phenomenal too. I, I was like, Brady is doing it again. Again. I heard it was like the perfect um, analogy that I heard. I have plenty of my own analogies tonight, but I'll give people credit where it is. It's like how Achilles used to lead people into battle and he'd be at the front lines because people just assumed he couldn't die before the Achilles heel thing. And that's like Brady where he just like, there's no belief that he'll actually die. So people will just follow him into battle. There's, there's no, everybody was like 
this is happening. Like even in the third quarter when they were down by 24, everyone's like, this is Tom Brady. Like we know what's about to happen. When Cam Akers fumbled going into the end zone at the end of the first half, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And we were at a bar with like people who either bet the Rams or like the Rams. And you can just, you can just feel them just tense up. Like Mm -hmm. the heads go down and they tense up and they know what's coming. It's like being on the coast for a hurricane and just like, knowing it's coming to land and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to sit and watch this thing come over the coast. That's a Tom Brady comeback. And it was funny too, because like the way they started to come back, you, I I could hear the conspiracy theorists in my head already being like, it's rigged. NFL's rigged because it was fumbles, right? And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. the snap over Stafford's head that goes 35 yards that never (laughs) happens. It's like, oh, how did that happen? Yeah. but but at the same time, it's like okay, but yeah, stat like what if it was rigged and then Cooper Cup dropped that pass? Like that's not a, that you can't just make that happen. I know it's it just you can't believe the rig stuff. It's just too too difficult to to rig something like that. But I do love uh, when those conspiracy theories oh, yeah. pop up, and it's like no, maybe maybe this is just like. It's just a mindset, the, the human psychology behind those comebacks, behind yeah. having Tom Brady on the field, and just everything involved with those pressure situations is so fascinating. And then obviously the talent is fascinating as well. Just uh, we you, you mentioned how it could have been the greatest weekend of football. I, I think it is. I think yep. the, the way the game the, of football is developing athletes and especially quarterbacks are playing at a level that we've just never – seen before and even a decade ago feels almost archaic in the way people run offenses and the way people throw footballs and just athletes in general kids are fucking doing windmills now dunking in in high school like it used to be like two kids in an aau team could dunk you're like oh my god they're amazing that team has two kids who could dunk now it's every other point guards doing 360s as a as a cowboys fan who witnessed um one of our superstars cd lamb have one catch deep into the third quarter and having another superstar and Tony Pollard have only six touches in a game watching teams actually let their superstars get the ball and do things is so refreshing right there with you Devonte Smith not having a target until yeah. at the end of the half yeah yeah uh, you know well that's part of the reason why these teams are here they've kind of like figured out the whole logic behind the football as well like when I, I love Malik Turner and I've been calling for Malik Turner all season when guys were hurt but at one point in a playoff game, and when it's the third quarter, Malik Turner has a catch, and C.D. Lamb does not. We have a problem. We, we yeah, again, same year. We targeted Jalen Rager before we targeted Devontae Smith. It's like sometimes things just aren't that hard. <laughs> you know, it was hard apparently this weekend throwing the football for Ryan Tannehill. First play of the game, interception, and I think his last play of the game, I think, was also an interception. I am finally vindicated. It finally makes sense. For 18 weeks, I've been saying the Titans aren't good. I can't figure it out what it is. Like, they keep winning. I can't get this out of my head that they are a bad team. And then they just laid an egg at home. Week one, or, or game one, at home, one seed, lost, done. Uh, and the I, defense I, had nine sacks. And they nine. Nine. Nine times. Is that too old for you? I know the reference. Nine times what's it from ferris bueller's day off that's what it is that's what it nine is nine times i was gonna uh, say i've definitely seen that movie a few times nine I, times I, I know the niners are like your team right now but like the Bengals are america's team right now right oh without a doubt without a doubt yeah i mean i i do also appreciate the Bengals. it would be great for for a, a i don't want to say a little city but you know, like Cincinnati winning, Milwaukee had one. Just mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like that would be cool and something different and refreshing, and a, just a new uh, hero archetype when Joe Burrow coming along to beat Patrick Mahomes and his family. They literally well. don't have an indoor practice facility. Pat McAfee talks about this all the time. Yeah, under uh, overpass. Yeah, like there's schools in Texas that play high school football who have better facilities. It's you know? unbelievable. And yes, uh, please, I listen. I love Patrick Mahomes. I love watching the Chiefs play. Like you said, it's it's another level. It do, it makes football six years ago look archaic the way they they do things and Tyreek Hill and Pringle and Mikel Hardman and they just they have 
so many riches, it's unbelievable. And watching Patrick Mahomes do Patrick Mahomes things is incredible. But I want them to lose solely because of his wife and his brother. Like, I, <laughs> I can't deal with them anymore. It's remarkable, isn't it? To, like, for It's very hard these days to be a likable athlete because people naturally hate you when you're winning. Mm-hmm. Even the nicest guys in the world get hated on when they're winners. And Mahomes seems to be that outlier where people still like him. And now he's falling victim to the hate despite being almost bulletproof for so long just because of the annoyances his family causes. And I love that she's like, I just wish I could go a week with doing whatever I want without getting criticized. It's like, well, don't be fucking annoying. Yeah, then don't, don't be annoying and then you'll you'll be fine. You know? <laughs> it's not that hard. As I said, this doesn't seem like a very hard concept. If to you want to spray people with the champagne, spray the people in your booth that you're partying with. Why do you have to yeah. spray the peasants below you? Yeah, I know. It, it was just, uh, it did kind of feel like the, I'm the queen among the peasants. Yes. Here you go, court jesters. Yeah, so that that's annoying, and you're right. So I think a lot of people are, are rooting for the Bengals. We'll get back to the Chiefs-Bills. I want to talk about that game and just how it port- like relays to our teams mm-hmm. after watching that quality of football on Sunday and then kind of how that relates to how our teams play football. But before we do, we do have an interview tonight. We were rocking and rolling early. <laughs> <laughs> but we have Ryan Dunleavy, who covers the NFL for the New York Post, We got him at a good time because the Giants have hired a GM. Looks like they're going to hire a coach this week. And a lot of talk about the quarterback as well. So he obviously covers them in New York. But we have a great conversation about the entirety of the NFL and just how this week of football is going to affect the game of football from probably here on out and how teams view roster construction. So great interview with him with Ryan coming up. Sorry, we buried that a little bit, but we were excited and ready to go. And you can't blame us because this was truly the greatest weekend of football. It really was. And going back to your your point about our teams compared to the – I literally – my wife was in bed. Like I said, she was watching the game upstairs. I was watching downstairs. I came upstairs. My wife's an Eagles fan, and for this is your first time tuning in, I'm a Cowboys fan, hence the Welcome. two banners if you're watching Thanks on YouTube. Thanks the first 100. <laughs> And I literally said to her, I go, our teams don't play the same sport as those two teams. And she goes, I know. <laughs> that's that's exactly how I felt too. And, and she texts me too. She goes, she goes, these teams don't commit penalties. The Eagles would have like 18 fucking penalties right now. She goes, the Eagles oh. fucking suck. Like through a text message. I'm like, yep, that I'm yes, both. And what's crazy is we're ahead of teams. We're ahead yeah. of a lot of teams. And we're still not playing the same sport as these guys. I, so I, uh, the speed, everything. Yeah, it's, so I have two questions stemming for that, but the, the analogy I thought of is just like you said, like we're not playing the same game. So you ever like do an activity yourself and you do it one way and you're like, you're all right, like you get it. And then you watch somebody do it another way and you're like, oh, that's how you're supposed to do it. So uh-huh. for me, it's like uh, Call of Duty. Like I'm not that good at Call of Duty. I like the play, but I'll be like, oh, here I come. I got my gun. I'm going to shoot you. And then like I watch somebody else play, and they're like quick scoping all over the map, and like they have a chopper gunner kill streak within two minutes. I'm like, and then you see me like, oh, oh, just threw my tomahawk. I'm going to yep. come get you. <laughs> You're like, I have no that's, idea. That's the Eagles and the Cowboys, and then that's like watching the Chiefs and the Bills play. Yes. Like I, like I said, the speed – the discipline, just the Chiefs went 44 yards in 13 seconds to tie the game with a field goal. The Cowboys had 14 seconds and they couldn't run a play. Now, <laughs> I know for all of you people that are yelling at me, they had timeouts. The Cowboys didn't. I know it's a funny reference. Shut up. But it's true. But it is true. It wasn't like, but go back before that. They, they, those two teams scored 25 points in two minutes. Could our teams do that? No. no. Probably not. No. So why didn't they squib kick it though? You have to squib kick it there. That takes three to four seconds off. That's one play. Or put it in the air, but make sure you got to tell them, put that thing up in the air, but don't let it come down in the end zone. Make Mm -hmm. them have a return. Yep. Especially because they didn't put Tyreek Hill back there. Um, So uh, you're right. You got to put that one in play. 
and just hope they don't return it for a touchdown because you know you get you play the odds game. Mm-hmm. There's better chance that Mahomes is getting them the even if it's crazy as it sounds with 13 seconds. And it it it's interesting because middle of the season, right? Cowboys go on a six game win streak. They go to New England. They win. Beginning of the season, offense is high fly, and then the defense comes together. Defense is looking good. They never really looked at a point where they put it all together, except for maybe against Washington, against you and me, basically. They're mm-hmm. all their COVID replacements out there. But the narrative around the team was if they play their best ball, they can play with anyone. But then I watched that Bills Chiefs game and I'm like, could they really play with anyone? So that's that was the first question that I was going to ask you. Do you now view roster construction differently? Yes. Especially with your team after watching these teams this weekend and realizing just the talent at different positions and the speed and athleticism at different positions. Yeah, it's just it's off the charts. And play calling and coaching. I mean, we listen, we saw a lot of mistakes by coaches overall this weekend. I think Vrabel made a lot of mistakes. Like I said, um the Bills coach, I don't, I don't know why he's escaping my mind right now. McDermott, the the issue with not the swib kick. So there was LaFleur made some mistakes. And that's obviously the big thing about McCarthy and the Cowboys always making time management mistakes. But we saw a lot of that. So it does come down to the players on the field. And it just, talent on talent, they don't match up. Yeah. So, like, that makes you think, like, not a blow it up situation for the Cowboys, but, like, how do you take that next step? Where you've already That's Sean spent, Payton. Sorry. I think we'll get there. But all right. Sean Payton was the coach of the Saints. They they were not even close. Yeah. Well, it's because they didn't have a quarterback. At least the Cowboys have a quarterback that I think could compete. That so that was the other question that I was going to ask you. And this is really for the Eagles fans, but I'll ask it to you. There is the point, and I saw um Ben Solak had a great tweet. He was like, this is like a one play proof that just draft an alien quarterback and figure it all out later. And it was like the one Josh Allen touchdown where he had the, he had Dawson Knox streaking across the middle, but instead it was just like, screw it. I'm going deep to Gabriel Davis. Just took the top off, gunned it 60 yards. So how do you feel? Get your franchise quarterback, give up any asset to make it happen keep trying until you do and figure out the rest later or continue to structurally build your team and just be like, get me as many good players as possible. Where I think if it's you as an Eagles fan right now, you go and you keep trying to find that quarterback. I think the Cowboys are obviously in the position where they can't do that right now. They have too much invested in the quarterback. So I don't even think that's an option for the next couple of years. And I think that guy, he has to be, he, and he's not that guy. Right, he's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. I was watching that game, and I continuously saw things that Mahomes did and Allen did, and I was like, "Yep, Dak can't do that." And then I was like, saw something mm-hmm. else. I'm like, "Yep, Dak can't do that." And then I'd see, you know, Allen r- literally running and hurling over people, and I'm like, "Yep, Dak can't do that anymore." He lo- Dak now runs like he has two left feet. He like <laughs> is like this guy stumbling down. Where Allen is a tank who can also jump over you and is fast. Oh yeah, he's he's just like the kid in high school who he comes back for the Thanksgiving Day turkey game and he's just he was always bigger than everybody else and they're like, well, now I'm not even wearing pads, so I really don't want to get in his way now. That happened to me playing lacrosse. I was uh, after I was out of college and we were playing in a winter league, and I was like 24 probably, and some of the kids I coached, one kid, Garrett Thule, was playing at West Point, leading the entire country in goals, and he was like six six like. 220 and we were like play and i was like he like backed up to go one-on-one and i was playing defense and i was like nope and i was like Olay. <laughs> that's just that not even a business decision that's just nope. a life decision yeah, have fun yeah exactly so uh, yeah i i get it from your point you know like Dak just needs to be the guy the the eagles probably need to find the guy mm-hmm. if i could go back in time you know that meme where it's like girls time machine versus guys time machine yeah My, if i was in the guys time machine i would go back and just be like Jalen, please don't play like a jackass against the buccaneers <laughs> like please play well like, so we don't have to like doubt this all off season mm-hmm. 
do you think quarterback is is a legitimate option in this draft if it if one falls like a picket no no if it were anybody it'd be picket yeah is there anybody else who you just say like yeah but even them they have to learn they have to grow like you, you just didn't hit man like you're not an alien in this draft yeah i was about to say you just didn't get you like it didn't fall uh, like you spun the wheel and you didn't hit the grand prize and it's a crapshoot sometimes in terms of how you're going to get it and when you get it, like with the Chargers getting Justin Herbert at five, like a lot of things had to fall right for that like to Washington. happen. No. Washington not taking him, him not coming out the year before, all mm-hmm. of it. Like it's a crapshoot to get one of these guys. And like even Josh Allen, like you didn't know. Yep. But no, everybody said out of Wyoming, like he has he done that much, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, hey, there could be Kenny Pickett could turn into that guy. He he could, but even his measurables, like Josh yeah. Allen is a six oh. five, like throws it 70 yards, and that just wasn't Kenny Pickett. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> he's he's good. Like I think he'd be a very likable character. And I think people I, I think he'd be a good NFL quarterback. But then I think we'd be right back here in two years being like, all right, well, um, it's Herbert and Burrow and Mahomes and Allen and all of these teams went twelve and four this year and we are twelve and five and we went nine and eight. How do we take this next step and just uh-huh. doing this again? But also, Devil's Advocate, Green Bay game, San Francisco. They clearly have a franchise quarterback who's pretty good at slinging the rock and Aaron Rodgers. They lose at home. They score on their opening drive. They score three points after that. They get the ball back with four minutes left after the block punt. They do not score. They lose to a team in the 49ers who couldn't be less sold on their quarterback. Yeah. And even now, sitting in the NFC Championship, might not have him back on the team next year. So maybe you just build a really great team around the quarterback and figure out the quarterback, hopefully, like the 49ers have. Yep. It's a great debate. It is. And I think it also depends on your coaching staff as well. Like mm-hmm. Shanahan's on a different level. McVay's on a different level of play calling. Yeah. And, yeah, and but, you saw that this week. They, they're both very good. And, uh, and and doing it in different ways, too, where, like, McVay has is kind of did it like the Sean Payton way, where he gambled the whole future away. They don't have a, a draft pick for, like, seven years. Well, I but guess that's the point where he's just going to leave and go somewhere else and do it again. I was about to say, I guess you can gamble the whole future away if you're just going to – like, if you were – if you're de- it's just like a company goes out of business and you're just like, all right, well. It's out of business. I'm. I resigned. Yeah. I took my stock options. Bye. They're going under. See yeah. ya. <laughs> and he'll, you know, he'll go somewhere else, and he'll just do the same thing. I and wonder if he where gets he's gonna one go. Super Bowl ring somewhere else. Some other team will be like, "Yep." Then yeah, then it was worth it. It's crazy. That's another storyline that gets overlooked. Is just like, should you go all in when when you had like Matthew Stafford? How long do the Rams really have him? He's a franchise quarterback. Wouldn't put him in that alien category with Mahomes and, and Patrick and, tier, and Josh play. Allen. But, yeah, very, very good quarterback. And you went all in because you had the quarterback at the time. So that's another thing to consider. Jared Goff made Eagles, $33 million this year. Who is? Jared Goff. That is wild. Insane. But Bill, Belichick, time, Bill Belichick made $20 million this year, and Jared Goff <laughs> made $33 million. It's wild, those coach first player structures. Insane. But for the Eagles, my 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 I guess my fit official position. I think even if you got a franchise quarterback, you're still way too far away. I think there's just too many holes. I'd like to build a, a really good team. Yep. And especially like Russell Wilson, when he won his Super Bowl, was when his defense was the best and had multiple Hall of Famers four. around him. Four Hall of Famers on one defense. Like, like that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, like Tom Brady is awesome, but they were missing a lot of pieces on Sunday and ended up losing to a really good team. Like I'm still of the belief you have to build a solid competitor. It can't just be like, oh, you have a franchise quarterback and then 52 other crappy pieces. You know how this just popped in my head, how Russell Wilson is Mr. Unlimited and he's always working hard and he seems to be that guy that like can, he's like a, a, you know, pitcher that gives up a home run you just have to go on to the next play. Forget it right out of your mind. Next play. But, like, how does he ever, ever truly get over throwing that interception at the goal <laughs> line in the Super Bowl? Like, you can't. Unlimited. I don't think he can. How do you go a day with that? Th- like, a day 
And like, how does he not lay down at night and be like, motherfucker? I was listening to this podcast, and the one guy is a, a Seahawks fan, but it was the other guy talking, and he said, the guy who was a Seahawks fan, he remembered talking to him the night that that happened and just being like, no, like you don't recover from this. It's just like not how it works. Your window always closes way faster than you yeah. think. And their window did close like right after that. And it's like, you just don't overcome being in that moment and having that opportunity and, and uh, honestly just blowing it. That was one of the most jaw dropping moments watching football I've ever had in my life. I was just I, like, I, <laughs> what? I watched it. My one friend's a Seahawks fan. It was back when we were in college. So we were all like the house having a good time. Oh, and it just went dead silent. <laughs> no one know what to do around him. I just felt paralyzed with fear. I was just like, if I sit here and if I squeeze really tight, he won't notice that I'm still sitting. Here. He's like a T-Rex. If I don't move, he can't see me. <laughs> see me. Oh, that is the approach terrible. that I took. Oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> See, this is this is what happens when we flow. We're just like, we're oh everywhere. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll end up back in 2015 talking about that. <laughs> let's let's we'll get back on track because there was obviously a lot of Cowboys coaching news this week. Dan Quinn is interviewed all over creation. Yep. We've got Kellen Moore probably coming back. Mike McCarthy just he's there. We'll yep. see how long. And what do you Sean Payton do here? What is it that you do here, Mike McCarthy? And Sean Payton is stepping away from the game, not retiring, stepping away, creating a mess, mm -hmm. leaving to take some time off, mm -hmm. and then starting anew, the old Urban Meyer trick. So I, I will put this out there right now. I do not think that Payton will coach the Cowboys in 2022. You mean I this think, upcoming season? Yes, this season. He's, okay. I, I don't think he's going to coach anywhere. I, I think, think he will be the Dallas Cowboys head coach in 2023. I think this officially puts McCarthy on the hot seat if he wasn't there already. And I think it's Super Bowl or bust for the Cowboys this season. They're, they had 14 they're penalties. They had 14 penalties in a playoff game. He should his hot his seat should be on fire. He should have third degree burns on his ass. So I think they're gonna be Super Bowl or bust this year. They're not gonna win the Super Bowl next year. So I think he's gonna get fired. Um I think if it were completely up to Jerry Jones, he would do it right now. It's it's so funny that like now we're not being held back by Jerry. We're being held back by Stephen Jones. Like Stephen yeah. Jones is talking Jerry out of these things because You're like the football version of Succession that show on yes. HBO. It's just oh, somebody else in the family screwing it all up. Hundred percent. Because now Stephen's like, well, you know, Jerry, we have Mike here, and Mike does a good job, and you know, we try. You know, we, we did an extensive search, two people, last year to find the best coach, and we found him, so uh, we got to give him a shot. I, I don't know. I think it also depends on the compensation that the Saints would want. If you go after him right now, they're going to ask for a boatload. If you wait a year, he's out of football, maybe they do Sean Payton like a, a little solid, and you're not going to have to give up as much. So I'm interested. Uh, um, you know, this is – Every time the Cowboys have one bad play this upcoming season, there's going to be Sean Payton tweets. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Immediately. I will tell you this. If Sean Payton was the head coach this past season, uh, the season doesn't end with a quarterback draw and them running out of time. That just wouldn't, it just wouldn't happen. It also probably never even makes it to that point. They yeah. probably just win the game. Yeah, because CD Lamb would have the ball, and I just I love his creativity. I love I love everything about it. And so I mentioned this to you through a text message today. So you did not hear the 2019 Sean Payton Dallas Cowboys story. No, but I, I so I saw the headline of the tweet, but didn't read the actual okay. article section. So if you have it. I will react live to this. I know it crosses two different sports that yeah. I like, so I'm very intrigued. Vince, give me a head nod. Have you heard this or not? What happened? Okay, so Vince has not heard it either. So Vince, I'll have uh, both of you. Listen, reaction. there's been a lot going on behind the scenes. We haven't seen Vince for 24 hours. Yeah, like, true. It was one of the most important days, and yep. we couldn't even find Vince him. Just disappeared. He was like those. Remember Milo and Otis when they ran away from yep. home? Yep. That was him. All right. So before we get into our interview with Ryan, which will hop in right after this story. So uh, this was originally like a Mike Florio story. 
that he apparently he has a book coming out. It's in the book. He's been trying to hide it. Um, but now it's come to the point once Sean Payton stepped down where he's like, we got to get the story out there now. So 2019, if you remember, that was the all Sean through the hands year, I think, against the Saints. That was 2018. 2018, but 2019 playoffs? Uh, yeah, 2019 playoffs. Yep. So Cowboys lost to the Rams. And then the next day, the Saints beat the Eagles. Yes. And then the Saints went on to lose to the Rams as well. So season's over. Cowboys <laughs> lose the Rams. Saints lose the Rams. Okay. Off, awful pet non-pass interference calls. Jerry Jones ready to fire Jason Garrett. But he wants his guy, Sean Payton. It's the only way he's he's going to fire Jason Garrett. All right. So Jerry picks up the phone, calls the Saints. Sean's ready to move on from the Saints as well. They have negotiations. They've talked about compensation. And a deal has worked out that Sean Payton is going to be released from his contract and traded to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys were going to fire Jason Garrett, do the search that they had to do, do the Rooney Rule interviews, and then contact the Saints, hire Sean Payton, trade for him, he becomes the Cowboys head coach. He then signs a contract extension. It was done. Signed off on. Everything was happening. Okay? All right. Then a week later, if you don't know this already, the ownership of the Saints also own the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Mickey Loomis is the GM of the Saints, and he's also president of basketball operations for the Pelicans. Right? Yeah. So, crossover. Anthony Davis, a week later, announces that he wants to leave New Orleans. He was not going to return and demanded a trade. Yep. Remember that. Mickey Loomis goes back to the Saints and says, I cannot be the man that have two New Orleans legends leave this city within two weeks of each other. I can't be the purpose of that. I'm sorry, Sean. You can't leave. And killed the deal to the Cowboys because Anthony Davis was leaving New Orleans. Unreal. That's actually awesome. I, I blame LeBron James. I just I was about to say this again, clutch sports, the mafia, that war criminal, Rich Paul ruined it again. Guess who's in charge of all that with the Lakers? It's hmm. clutch sports, Anthony Davis, clutch sports, LeBron James. They wanted to pair up in LA. It's Rich Paul's fault again. And Adele. And Adele. I hope they break up. How about that? I would have had fucking Sean Payton coaching my team for the last couple of years if it wasn't for Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Clutch Sports. Yeah, they are the root of all evil. I've been trying to tell. I've been screaming it from the mountaintops about those guys. But that is fascinating because like, we talked about human psychology somehow before, and it's now come up twice in the show for two guys who not a lot going on upstairs psychology-wise. Uh-huh. And – I, if you're that guy, you don't want to be the yes man who's like, oh, yeah, you're free to go. You're free yeah. to go. You're free to go. Anytime you have someone of of high stature and just being like, because it gets that feeling. I'm, I'm just being walked all over, you know? Exactly. And they would just, they would have killed, if, if both those guys left the city. But yeah, so now the saga will continue. It's going to continue on. It's the new Earl Thomas talk in Cowboys Twitter and Cowboys World. It's that new shiny toy. You know, it's it's so interesting, though. You look at their records, Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton, they're almost identical. One one ring each. But it's they went into such such different things, right? So I don't know if you know this, too. Sean Payton interviewed with the Packers. He then found out and interviewed with the Saints. The Saints or the Packers informed Peyton that they were going in a different direction with Mike McCarthy, and he apparently lost his mind and literally like threw his cell phone. So he could have been the head coach of the Packers. And I think if he was the head coach of the Packers, they win more than one Super Bowl. He went to the Saints that was literally ravaged, a forever loser. It took them until they were like created in the 60s. They didn't get their first road playoff win until like 2000. They were and forever when, losers in Philly. And right? when he took over, they were literally ravaged. Like their From stadium was being used as, as exactly. a, 
hurricane refuge center and that was damaged and yeah he, so it he wasn't the built, best scenario he built that up if he was given the team that mccarthy was had i think they win multiple multiple super bowls but so they're going to be connected forever now going forward again again yeah it's funny how the just those little everything's gotta fall right mm-hmm. it's like playing a or game wrong. of tetris or, or wrong, wrong. But no, everything has to fall right for you to go your way. Yep. It's really tough and doesn't happen a lot. It's true. All right. You want to get into this interview? I think we've Let's talked do a it. lot. Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post writes for the New York Post covering sports for them. We're going to talk a lot about the NFC East. There's a lot going on with the futures of every team in that division this offseason, including his hometown Giants. But also, a lot of ties into the Cowboys and Eagles with that. So here it is, our interview with Ryan Dunleavy. All right, Aiden, we are now joined by Ryan Dunleavy, who covers the NFL for the New York Post, kind of focuses on the Giants, but covers all the NFL. I actually, quote unquote, worked with Ryan years ago while he was covering minor league baseball in Somerset. So, Ryan, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man? Anything for a Somerset Patriots alum. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. (laughs) Everybody gets their start in minor league baseball. I love it. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, we were talking before the show. We kind of got you on a good day. Big day for the Giants since the front office, the brass, talked to the media today. They hired a GM. A coach is on the way soon. John Mara, in the the interview process, in the media process today, kind of said, ruling out Deshaun Watson, kind of ruled it under the uh, no shit, we won't be making a trade for him (laughs) kind of area. But what about Russell Wilson? Where do we stand there? Well, I thought that was interesting, guys, because, look, they Joe Shane and John Mara both ruled out Deshaun Watson, which, if you know anything about the Giants, they were never going to trade for Deshaun Watson with 22 pending civil uh, lawsuits for sexual misconduct. They were never going to take that chance. They didn't draft Micah Parsons because of rumors about him and, you know, stuff in college. Obviously, hell of a football player. They don't go near red flags if they can't if they can avoid it. Uh, and they sometimes they can't avoid it. They de- drafted DeAndre Baker. He got arrested. They had to cut him. Total waste of a first-round pick. Um, but, yes, obviously Deshaun Watson. But in saying why they didn't want Deshaun Watson, both Joe Shane and John Mara cited the salary cap as one of the two reasons. And to me, that perked up my ears because, okay, well, if you don't want Deshaun Watson because of the salary cap – and how are you going to fit Russell Wilson in your salary cap? And you know, I mean, I asked you, I was the one who asked Joe Shane today, I said, tell me how much of an issue is this salary cap? Because we did a call with Brandon Bean last week. And we said, Brandon, what did Joe tell you about the job? And he said, not much. I didn't want to pry. But we did talk about how their, their salary cap is as unhealthy as ours was when we got here. So if the number one thing Joe Shane is telling his buddy is our salary cap sucks, then how are you going to fit Russell Wilson's contract in. Yes, there are ways, guys, you probably know this, to make this, to wiggle the salary cap. So you get Russell Wilson's contract down to like $3 million salary cap hit Mm -hmm. this year. But then his salary cap hit in 2025 is like $75 million. So you're going to just pay for it on the end um, when the team should be better than what it is right now. So to uh, to me, that ruled out Wilson and Watson and to me, it sounds like they're going to go the old Daniel Jones and a veteran kind of guy, Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, uh, and use a year to kind of sort it all out. So that's where I think we landed on Watson, Wilson. And uh, it also is interesting, guys, because we know Brian Flores really wants to coach Deshaun Watson. He wanted to in Miami. He wants to wherever he goes next. And try to follow me here. Mara's talked to Flores and is interested. Flores has talked to Mara and is interested. Flores has talked to Watson and is interested, but the Giants aren't interested in Watson. So it's like three parts of a square connect. The fourth part doesn't connect. So does that make the whole thing crumble or no? Or maybe you turn it into a triangle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And it's a giant house of cards. Um, Do you think that's the right move to kind of stay away from these high-priced quarterbacks? And if so, where do you think Wilson's going to go in the offseason instead, if anywhere? Look, for the Giants, it's the right move. The team is bad, like really, really bad. And they have no offensive line. And, well, excuse me, they have one offensive lineman. Left tackle, Andrew Thomas, is a good player. 
Uh, center Nick Gates could be a pretty good player, except he, you know, broke his leg in a million places. Mm -hmm. And we don't know if he's ever going to play football again. Uh, so I think they need four starting, four new starting offensive linemen. You can have Connor Williams. Least, huh? You can have Connor Williams. <laughs> and they need at least one new edge rusher, probably two, maybe one if it's like, I don't I haven't even looked at who's a free agent, but one if it's of the Bud Dupree, Matthew Judon caliber. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's the priority, then you're not going to be able to add a, a high price quarterback anyway. So, no, I think for the Giants right now, a team that I really think just needs to build it the right way, stop. Every time the Giants show a glimmer of hope, they just go out and spend a zillion dollars in free agency to try to get over the hump. And that's not the right way to do it. You have to show a little hope, then a little more hope, then a little more hope like Buffalo just did. So um, I think it, as far as trading for these guys, you can't group them together. Should a team trade for Russell Wilson? Yeah, there should be a million teams lining up to trade for Russell Wilson, especially if you're in the AFC and you don't have Watson, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, or Lamar Jackson. You better trade for Russell Wilson. Pittsburgh, better trade for Russell Wilson, or you're totally irrelevant. You have no chance to win in the AFC if you don't have a superstar quarterback. The NFC, anybody could trade for Russell Wilson and feel like, who's the best quarterback in the NFC? If Rodgers and Brady leave. If Rodgers and Bra Brady retires, Rodgers retires or goes to the Broncos, who's the best quarterback in the NFC? Kyler Murray? Like Stafford. Matthew Stafford? You I mean Russell Wilson could easily go to Washington and they could feel like they could go to the Super Bowl. Yep. You know? Yeah. So pretty much anybody but the Giants or Detroit and feel like they could go to the Super Bowl. So to me, you should trade for him if you're most teams. Watson, I would not touch until I had their uh I would not touch him as any team until I had the resolution. Look, we have arrested guys playing every week in the NFL, uh, guys with horrific charges that have been resolved. So once Watson's are resolved, he'll play somewhere and he'll play at a high level, I imagine. Yeah. But uh, to me, you trade for him. You got to know what the resolution is before you trade for him. We don't even know really why he didn't play in, in Houston last year. Mm -hmm. Did he not play because the team didn't want him to? Did he not play because he didn't want to and he, it was really like a holdout situation because he was demanding a trade? Or did we not trade? Did he not play because the league didn't want him to? Like, I want to know if the Texans said, hey, Deshaun, you're the first team quarterback. Go out there Sunday. Who would have stopped that? Would the yep. Texans have stopped it? Would Watson have stopped it or the league have stopped it? We still don't really know. It is. It is interesting, too, because everything was pushed out to February. So he, quote unquote, could play this year and then didn't. Why? It is. It's a. All right, so kind of connection here between the Cowboys and the Giants. Obviously, Dan Quinn was the main reason, I believe, for the defensive turnaround this year. He's been interviewing with almost every team that has an opening this year. He's a Jersey guy, grew up the Giants fan. Is there any mutual interest there between Quinn and the Giants? For sure, yeah. I mean, look, I, I asked around about Quinn. He, I was told he was very impressive. But let me tell you something, guys. You know how hard it is not to be very impressive in one of these interviews? Like you have to that's be Kellen thing, Moore. Huh? You have to be Kellen Moore, apparently. Yeah, that, that's like the number one thing I get back when I ask people. It's like, how was he? Oh, he was very impressive. It's like, well, I would hope so. He's been a head coach, right? He's been a head coach. He's one of five guys interviewing for your head coaching job. Mm -hmm. I would hope he didn't come in there, like, you know, and have no idea what he was doing. Like, so, yes, he was impressive. He's interested, obviously. It's a place to come home. They're interested, obviously. He has something they want, which is experience. They have a first-time GM. They'd love to pair him up with an experienced coach, which Brian Dable is not, but Brian Flores is, Dan Quinn is, Leslie Frazier is. They'd love to pair him up with somebody who has experience. But that's not the end-all, be-all. They had Pat Shermer three years ago. That didn't work out. So, um, look, you see this, this like great head of hair I have right here. That's because I get my head, I get my hair cut at the same barbershop that Dan Quinn's dad used to get his bar hair cut out. So Love to that. me, I think you got to hire him. There you Love go. That. That's you a true the insider right scoop. there. Yeah. <laughs> used right. to get his hair cut out. I said, I hope Dan Quinn's father passed away. There's a mm -hmm. signed picture of him, of the, of Dan in the barbershop. That's all. Oh, that's know. awesome. That's awesome. All right. So shifting gears from coaching a little bit to players this past season 
So there were a ton of impactful rookies this season. Obviously, we've already mentioned Micah Parsons. ESPN released their top 10 rookies for this year, this today. So who do you believe was the most impressive rookie this season in the NFL? Oh, good question. And I mean, it has to be Parsons and Slater, right? It has to be. I mean, it's hard for me, honestly, to judge one individual offensive lineman. I I guess there are reporters who can do that. I think most reporters judge uh, offensive lines as a whole, and then you have to call people around the league who know more than you do and ask them about offensive. I think I'm a pretty good judge of wide receivers and quarterbacks. I write tackles and write guards and stuff. Mm -hmm. I need help. And uh, everybody I talk to raves about Slater, and you can just see it in Parsons. I mean, obviously, totally, totally dominated games, playing every different position. I think those offense defense were certainly the two best. And look, if I'm, I'm on this show, I'm talking about the giants, the giants passed on both of them. I mean, yep. the giants were sitting there at 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10, 11, 11. They were sitting 11. there at 11 and there, they had a list of Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Patrick Sertan, and, J.C. Horn. And those were the four guys they were really, really interested in. And those guys went like six, eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, then they traded back, which there's a little bit of like Dave Gettleman, the GM, was, you know, he got beat up year after year. He never trades down. He never trade. He had never traded down in like 10 giraffes in any round as Panthers or Giants GM. And so he finally trades down. And he celebrated for it that day. And then six months later, it looks awful. I mean, there's a little to a Giants fan. I could understand where you would hear and you would say, Jesus Christ, we can't catch a break. We finally do the right thing. And it blows up on our we passed on Parsons and Slater. Um, So there's a lot of pressure on Joe Shane to get this number seven pick that they got from the Bears. They got to get it right. So they have to make Kadarius Tony who they ended up picking at 20 plus the number seven pick who they got from the bears. That guy has to be as good as Slater and Parsons. I'm not I'd forget Justin Fields because if Justin Fields is good or even average, they have a quarterback. The giants didn't really want a quarterback. I have to take Justin Fields out of the equation. They weren't going to pick him. I know they gave him to the bears, whatever he, the sum of Tony plus the number seven pick has to be better than Slater and Parsons. And that's a big gap to make up right now. Yeah, Aiden and I always always do the old, it's a pleasure doing business with you as a Cowboys fan and an Eagles fan, making that trade. So the Eagles jump up right in front of the Giants, got who they wanted, and then the Cowboys got who they wanted. It was it was hard it was to perfect. believe, honestly, that night covering it. I was like, that's that can't happen. There's no way that's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's literally how we felt too. Yep. Couldn't believe it was with one another. Look, I mean up on the screen. Howie Roseman has his flaws, but Howie Roseman is a heck of a wheeler and dealer. Yep. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, if Howie Roseman called me for a trade, I would be like, oh, oh, okay, thanks. And just hang up because I don't want any part. I'm losing that trade with Howie Roseman. Mm-hmm. I'm losing the trade. There's a lot of things. Howie, if, if Howie Roseman, if I'm an agent and he wants to pick my receiver, I'm okay, go. He's going to overdraft me. But uh, if he's trading with me, I want no part of it. Not. <laughs> You're right. It's just like the perfect strength and weaknesses guy. Just has incredible strengths and just glaring weaknesses mm-hmm. and kind of meets in the middle. But I, I, we talked about a little bit impressions of the new GM. What do you think in a very important offseason with two first round picks and in a rebuilding year? Uh, look, I did a huge, I spent since Friday, my life has been Joe Shane, basically. I <laughs> called his college coach. I called his college teammates. I called his high school coach. I called his dad. I called. Jeff Ireland, the former Dolphins GM. I called um, Dan Henning, the former coordinator for the Jets, the Panthers, a million teams. And I just basically spill your guts to me about uh, Joe Shane. And seems incredibly smart, which the Giants need that. Look, they're so far behind in analytics. They need that. He has a great eye for talent. They need that. The one thing you don't know is like Dave Gettleman had a long and distinguished scouting career. And then he became a GM and he couldn't handle it. Like there's couldn't handle the communication, could the agents, the, you know, he just couldn't, couldn't amend his beliefs to the other people's beliefs. So there, 
the GM is like kind of like a corporate CEO now. And he just has to, he has to be in the trainer's room. He has to be with agents. He has to be, it's not just so much as like, you know, it's not being an agent in 1995 where you like go to the Alabama Georgia game and scout guys and decide who you want to pick. You have to delegate that to somebody else, your Mm -hmm. scouting director. And, uh, you have to do a lot of other things. So that's the one part you don't know, honestly, with any first year, first time GM. But I liked him. He came in. He reminded me of like a like a sharp businessman, like a Wall Street kind of guy. And uh, no, I, I look, I liked him. I think it's I think he's what they need at this time. Um, so we'll we'll see how it is. Look, he he said a lot of things that I don't know, like to put people at ease, like not making wholesale changes, you know, we can win with some of the people we have. We don't have to do a full teardown. Look, there are a lot of people in that building who are very worried about their jobs as anybody, as is the case, anytime there's, you know, a turnover at the top. I think some of that was probably to put them at ease. Uh, I'd be hard for me to believe he doesn't see this as a big teardown kind of job. I, I will say Aiden and I, and, and Cowboys fans and Eagles fans and fans all around the, the country are very upset that Gettleman and Judge are no longer there. We were we were rooting hard <laughs> yeah. for them to stay. Uh, having covered both of them, I, I think it's a little unfair to group them together, honestly. I, I know Judge gets beat up nationally for that press conference he did. I think Judge – I honestly, I think Judge had the right ideas. I think Judge could have been a good coach. I think Judge got handed an awful roster, an True. awful roster, mm-hmm. and was told that he, had patient, that he would have patience to build it up, and then the – then then it disappeared in two years. If he was told you only have two years, he might have done things very differently. Mm-hmm. I think Joe Judge got a raw deal. Dave Gettleman got whatever the opposite of the raw deal. He got a sweetheart. <laughs> he got a sweetheart deal. He should have been gone two years ago. So uh it's hard for me to group them together. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. All right. Last one from me. We touched on the Bills and just how they've built up and it felt like this past week the Chiefs Bills game, we all felt that was an elite level of play that the rest of us just aren't playing at. <laughs> <laughs> so I might know the answer to your question because I know you kind of already said Giants, eh, they suck a little bit. But do you think anybody in the NFC East is anywhere close to hitting that threshold that we saw over the weekend? Not even in Chiefs Bills, even Bucks Rams. Even Bucks Rams. Well, the Bucks Rams are in, in the end. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Cowboys are far away from like, Look, that was an atrocious play call. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was everybody I know in the NFL says you can't run that play call with less than 14 seconds left. So I have no idea what they were doing. Um, But no, they're not far. I don't think the Cowboys are far away. They have a good quarterback. They have superstars. They need some more depth. Um, And I'll be curious what happens to the defense when Dan Quinn leaves, if it reverts to the form it was two years ago. But no, I don't think the Cowboys are far away from the Bucks Rams level. And then really the NFC is just about getting to the Super Bowl. And then, you know, if you get there, then you take your chances with the AFC. But the AFC is far superior right now because of the quarterback play. No one in the NFC is close to that level. Not even, not close at all. All right, Ryan, before we get you out of here, let everybody know where they can read all your material, how they can follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh at Rye Dunleavy, so it's R-Y-D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y on Twitter, on Instagram, and obviously the New York Post, nypost.com sports page. Most of our stuff is free uh, to read, and then we have Post Sports Plus, which is our new membership uh, site. You can do a uh, free trial, and that's where we do you know some really good in-depth reporting that takes a little longer than the you know daily features and notebooks so many NFL fans enjoy. Awesome. Awesome, right? Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have, get, have you on again, uh, maybe closer to the draft time. Yeah, that sounds good. Anytime, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Another absolutely phenomenal interview, Aiden. I uh, I hit up Rye on, uh, on Twitter earlier this week, and I was like, you want to hop on with us? This might be the perfect time. And bang, another A-plus interview. It was the perfect time, considering everything going on. And I, I loved how 
blunt he was and honest about the the state of the of the NFC as a whole and the Giants as a whole. It really does put it into perspective what's going on with the QB play in this league and how it's shifted all to one conference right now. So it's a bit of an easier path as it stands for teams like us if we can build this the right way. And he did a good job of depicting that. And we were talking about the stories where he, he called everybody that the Giants new GM knew. And I was just like, that is such great journalistic principles. Mm-hmm. And when he was talking about Brian Flores and the connection of Deshaun Watson, and then the Giants have the connection of Brian Flores, I, all of my brain, all I could think of was the, who is Pepe Silvia? Who is Pepe Silvia? <laughs> I have all this mail for Pepe Silvia. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> It, it was so true that he brought up as well. Like, what if Rodgers goes to the AFC and Brady retires? Who is the best quarterback in the NFC? And I'm like, that was a fantastic it question. Is. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, it is like Kyler Murray, Stafford, and Dak. I think Jimmy G. Jimmy, Jimmy G. G's time, baby. Yeah. I mean, golf? Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Kirk Cousins? Who? Uh, Taysom Hill? No James idea. James Winston, maybe? Might be Kenny Pickett by the time we're yeah. done. Hey, we, we never know. <laughs> Jalen Hurts could have a phenomenal third season. Yeah, let's God only can hope. <laughs> All right, so we have a TikTok tonight, right? Uh, we'll bring Vincent in. He's very uh, into it, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube. And if you are watching on YouTube, tell all your friends and your family to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Birds vs. Boys, on YouTube. If you're not watching and you're listening on one of those beautiful podcast platforms that you can listen to all your podcasts on, flip on over and see our smiling faces every once in a while. Subscribe to our YouTube and uh, see what we look like. Because it's sometimes... You ever listen to radio shows for like a long time? And you just like... You every day. make up what the people look like in your head. And then you Google them. And you're like, that is not what I expected them to look like at all. That just happened to me. A podcast I listened to, like at the end of the year, I looked them up. I've listened to them the entire football season. Mm-hmm. And it was a fantasy show. It's like the end of fantasy season. I looked them up to follow them. So I remembered for next year. And I was like, that is not what I thought. <laughs> Every time. Not in a good or a bad way. Just yeah. so it's like, just not what I would came here. You make, to. you make it up in your head. What you think they look like. It, ha- it happens in books too. Like you read the book and then you watch the movie and you're like, wait a second. That's not the character that I formed in my brain. <laughs> Hi Vince. What's up? Yeah, tell your friends, family, specifically your grandmas, all to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yes, our video is also on Spotify if you want to go watch it there. Just, you know, listen to it however you want to listen to it. Just make sure you listen to it four or five times a week. Just keep listening. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, just run it on the loop. Yep. Retweet, like, comment on TikToks, all that good stuff. And again, specifically your grandmothers. That's important. Yes. Very yes. important. They're big football fans. <laughs> all right. What's the talking that we're ticking tonight? Top three performers of the divisional round playoffs. Normal triangle, three each. We'll do it. At three, I have Tom Brady. I know they lost, but just that aura that was going on in that second half, we were like, God damn it, this guy's about to do it again. And he Mm -hmm. still had over 300 yards, and he almost did it. That might have been it. I don't think so, but at three, I have Tom Brady. Uh, Three for me, it's Gabriel Davis. Four touchdown receptions in a playoff game. I believe he's the only player ever to do that. Jerry Rice never did that. Randy Moss never did that. Terrell Owens never did that. Just unbelievable. Every time he literally killed a guy with that move, I think for his fourth (laughs) touchdown, it was just unbelievably impressive. Gabriel Davis three for me. Uh, Three for me. I have Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Not because of his, not because I guess because everything he did, uh, you know, he secured a loss for his own team, so he he, made, he helped someone get to the AFC Championship game, which is good for him, or good for someone else. He did a very good job of making sure a team advanced to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> which one? It's not important. Not important. Nope. Mm-hmm. At two, I have the Titans' defensive line. I figured they might as well win something this weekend since they had nine sacks. Can't tell if the Bengals' defensive line is truly that bad or if they're just that good. Probably the Bengals O line, but we'll give it to them out of pity because they tried hard and had to deal with Ryan Tannehill for sixty minutes. Uh, two for me, it's it's Josh Allen. I know he lost, but the performance was unbelievable. The only thing he did wrong in that entire game was calling tails, not heads. Uh, him not getting to be able to touch the ball in overtime is a war crime. It's terrible. It's awful. 
Um, he's a tank. He can run people over. He can run over you, and he can throw it 85 yards on the field on a rope. So Josh Allen's performance in a losing effort, unfortunately, two for me. Uh, two for me is Joe Burrow. Just a heads up, Joe Burrow is going to be on every list I do from now on. He's just my favorite football player that's ever graced the earth, and I think he will be forever. He I, he can almost do no wrong unless he pulls some Deshaun Watson nonsense. I don't think he could do any wrong in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Love how you added that asterisk at the yep. end. Just yeah. in case he's also yeah, a serial just predator. In case. <laughs> just in case. You never know. He seems like a sweet guy, though, so I don't think so. <laughs> At one, I have Cooper Cup. I want him to be MVP of the league so bad just to see a triple threat wide receiver. I thought it was hilarious that after the season that he had, there were still busted coverages that ended with Cooper Cup being wide open down the field, including on the game-winning play at the end of the game for the Rams to clinch it over the Bucks. At one, I have Cooper Cup. A phenomenal receiving season. It made no sense at all. Uh, one for me, it's Patrick Mahomes. The the duel with him and Josh Allen were unbelievable. Couldn't put Josh Allen ahead of Patrick because, well, Patrick won. Uh, on top of just what he did in the game, if you didn't see the video after he threw the touchdown, he sprinted from the end zone, and the first thing he did was go to find Josh Allen uh, and hug Josh Allen. He left all his teammates on the side, wanted to – I don't want to say congratulate Josh Allen on a great game, but you know, it that's two years in a row. Allen sitting there like that. And uh, I'm sure it was hard and seeing Mahomes actually go right to him to embrace him, you know, meant even more. And that added to the performance for me. Uh, one for me. I don't think there's any surprise here. It's Evan McPherson. <laughs> like you said, kids nails. Absolutely. How many games does he, does he have to win for this freaking team this year? to be talked about as an MVP candidate. Talk about – I mean, I, I just said how Joe Burrow is the best quarterback of all time, but who has won more games for the team than Evan McPherson? I'm sure there's somebody, but you can't tell me anyone off the top of your head, so it doesn't count. <laughs> Did you hear the story uh, Pat McAfee said it this week about McPherson when he was in college at Florida? He had like a 34-yarder, and they had like four penalties in a row, and somehow it made it like a 52-yarder. And instead of him being like – Damn it, this is going to be tough. He's like, can we get one more penalty so we can make this a record? <laughs> like, I remember that game. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, it wasn't like they were playing Idaho to begin the season. It was yeah. at Texas A&M that he did that. I, I believe so. Go back and check. He nailed a 50-plus yard yep. field goal at Texas Tech or at Texas A&M on the road to win the game. And he, and he wanted it to be like five more yards back so he could have broke a record. Yeah. Just like the mentality is unbelievable. Is uh, there just a team of cooler people than the Bengals? No. No. It's crazy. Because is there a less cool city than Cincinnati? Except for Eli <laughs> Apple. He's bringing him down. I didn't realize he was on the Bengals. I know. Me either. Doesn't fit the, he doesn't pass the vibe check, as the kids on TikTok would say. I guess we're going to the AFC championship game is like an all-time line. It's up there with get me to the plate boys. It's like one of the greatest, yep. maybe one of yeah. the greatest sports quotes of all time. That, that was a great quote. Just the, the, the nonchalance in which it was said. I was like, well, yeah, right. <laughs> anytime you start a sentence with whelp. Yep. Well, big gulp, certain, huh? yeah. Well, See you if, later. He does that, if he does that again, what if he did it again? Well, because we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Please, please, Evan. We need, we can't see Jackson Mahomes TikToking in the Super Bowl. Can't have it. Mm-mm. Save the world, please. <laughs> You're all save me, Evan McPherson. You're my only hope. All right, Vincent. It's from thank a Star you. War. Yeah, yeah. That was a Star War. One of the Star yeah. Wars. A Star Hi. War. <laughs> One singular Star <laughs> One War. One Star War. <laughs> I think that was a phenomenal episode. And I did too. I, you know, it, it's always tough when your teams are out when then mm-hmm. you got to talk about content. But I think we really found a lot to talk about. We were pretty mm-hmm. fired up. We right were. And, and you were right on low battery in your brain. Oh my God, dude. I had a men's league basketball game that started tip time was 10 PM. Like we're playing at the freaking Staples center. And I, I had to be up for work at 6:45. So did I was coasted on fumes until I got to the show. And then I was ready to roll. Did you win? We did we won by 20? That's all that matters. Yep, it's all that matters. And I you think know what we else? Won this podcast by 20. We did. And tell the people how they can follow us, where they can listen, where they can do all that stuff so we can be even bigger winners at Birds vs. Voice Pod on Twitter. 
please follow us. Last time I checked, I think we're closing in on twelve hundred followers. Looking mm-hmm. good. We'll have some boosts coming there pretty soon. Please subscribe on YouTube. Comment on the video. Tell us that we look pretty. Like the video if you think we are pretty. And then also follow us on TikTok as well. And then anywhere you can find podcast, Apple, Spotify. Vince has the video on Spotify as well now, which is great. Doing the Lord's work back there in the producer room. Um, so anywhere you can find it, listen, watch, like all of it. I think we have the best guest lineup of podcasts besides maybe like Barstool and Pat McAfee. But we have a guest lined up already next week, the week after, the week after that. You're not going to want to miss the guest lineup that we have. I don't know, maybe guys from places like PFF, Mm. NFL Wire. Mm. I don't know. Stuff's happening. We are we are booked through Super Bowl week. We had to make a Google document to keep us organized with Which, interviews. We're you know like, it's serious when I don't use the random post-it note that I stick in my pants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about that? So subscribe, listen, rate, do all that stuff. Go follow uh, Philly Fan Life too. Give them a little follow on the Twitter. On the Twitter. foreshadowing, yeah, foreshadowing. That's all we got to do. <laughs> all right, Philly's favorite Cowboys fan. KMS out. Aiden, thank you. Anytime, my friend. I'm going to go sleep for the next 16 hours. Chris Hansen here, and I'm going to need you all to take a seat right over there and check out Birds vs. Boys. I think you're completely right here, and I hate it. Yep. Hey, idiots. Stop doing dumb things. I got two phones. Upside alert. Upside alert. I might go insane. I think you're already there. There's no hope. Hope is gone. If this was an AFC North podcast, we'd be done in 15 minutes. Bob Hope. I'm going to drink bleach. Be the team you promised me you were going to be this year. This is the Consciously Hopeful podcast. I'll be watching.